Hello there. This is Eric Sinrath from Dwayne Morris, the San Francisco office. This is your weekly Tech Law 10, but I am only half, and I'm about to introduce to you the better half today, maybe some other days too. I'm bringing to you my colleague from Quarterly, Jonathan Armstrong, across the pond in the UK. And Jonathan, if I'm reading the tea leaves correctly, you're feeling somewhat insecure about cybersecurity. Can you talk talk about that for us, please? I will indeed, Eric, and thanks for the introduction. Uh, Jonathan Armstrong uh, here from Cordry, as, as you said, from a rainy UK. A rainy UK, but still so far in the European Union. So um, uh, today's news really is about Talk Talk. So uh, a few days ago, they announced the results of a large hack attack that they'd had last October. And we talked about it a bit then. They um, revealed, that, uh, when they filed their accounts recently, that the, uh, so far as they know, the data of around 160,000 people was accessed in this attack. Now, originally, there was some suggestion that this was a nation-state attack and a very cunning and cleverly designed attack to bring Talk Talk down. Uh, so far, there have been six arrests. Uh, all of them under 21 years old. And the suggestion is it was the old-fashioned kid in bedroom trying to hack into the system rather than a sophisticated nation-state attack. But in any event, the um, compromise of 160,000 people's personal data has led to the loss of 101,000 subscribers in the quarter after the attack. And some people say that the damage is going to be <coughs> excuse me, worse yet because telecoms contracts obviously tend to be for a fixed term and the key is holding on to people when they come to renew when the fixed term is expiring. So as a result, the 101,000 could be an underestimate of the amount of subscribers that they're losing. They um, talk talk estimate that so far the cyber attack has cost them forty-two million pounds, and mm. that meant that their profits halved uh, in the last year just because of this um, this attack. And it seems to me that it shows us really graphically that these attacks are prevalent and they are happening. We focus on nation-state cyber attacks. We see those quite a lot. I've seen another one today that's very sophisticated indeed and it's undoubtedly the case that they happen but we often presume that it's some large army from another country attacking us and sometimes I can talk talk it could be six kids in their bedroom whatever it is the consequences are still significant and I think they're about to get more significant as well for two reasons um, firstly that uh, civil actions are on the increase in Europe, and we've talked about it before. There's things like the Schrems litigation in Austria that's still rumbling on, and a case called Vidal Hall in the UK that's heading for our Supreme Court, which could open the doors for civil actions for people whose data has been compromised in this way. And in addition, the GDPR, the new General Data Protection Regulation, which will become law in two years, increases the fines that regulators can levy. 
and regulators are, fi- are, are fining companies for data breaches, even when they've been hacked on a relatively regular basis in Europe. And the potential fine is going up to a maximum of 4% of global annual turnover. Now, hand in hand with that, there are a couple of new reporting obligations coming on stream as well. Telecoms companies like TalkTalk have already been subject to some EU-wide legislation on on the reporting of security breaches that applies only to certain types of company. That obligation is going to be extended by a new cybersecurity directive which introduces breach reporting obligations and a whole load of other things like um, response teams uh, for each nation state within the EU. And in addition, the GDPR will also introduce two new breach reporting obligations as well, one to data privacy regulators and the second to the affected individuals. And both of those provisions are crafted slightly differently. But I think the result will be, uh, combined certainly with the rise of class actions and the rights to compensation in GDPR, that the situation is going to get significantly worse, not better for those companies that don't don't address the issue of cybersecurity. On the positive side, we've done a couple of projects recently on cyber resilience, uh, one for a financial services institute, one for an uh, institution, one for another business. (coughs) And I think we've had some really interesting results. As well as looking at preventing breaches by things like data protection impact assessments or privacy impact assessments, which are introduced by the GDPR and we've talked about earlier. We've looked at the fact that breaches are inevitable. So rather than saying, what would we do if it happens, we say, what would we do when it happens? And we invest time in that. The Dutch Data Protection Regulator a while ago really likened this to a fire drill in that not only do you have to have a plan to evacuate the building, it has to be clear and you have to rehearse it. And we've done that with a couple of clients. So rather than have a dull policy that nobody reads, they have a practical checklist of what to do when a security breach happens, some specimen press releases to issue to control the messaging that's getting out. Again, another lesson learned from TalkTalk because they didn't do that well. And um, so that a business knows how to respond. They know what the drill is, and they rehearse that on a regular basis. So it seems to me the consequences of a security breach are ever more significant in Europe, but also the opportunity, if you manage what you do well, to mitigate that damage is also significant as well. But obviously, it's something that you have to plan and, and, and have a proper plan of action, and, and you have to rehearse that plan as well. I was wondering, if is the position materially different in the U.S.? No, I don't think it is materially different. I think you make a great point, and hopefully you can hear me okay. There's a little background noise. I apologize. But the if-when point uh, is critical because it's not enough just to throw resources at trying to prevent hacks, but there really has to be consideration for really almost the inevitable that hacks, you know, are sophisticated and they will penetrate potentially uh, or even inevitably, if I didn't say that already. And so there really should be several layers of, uh, ready response, uh, first, of course, seeking prevention, but then if prevention isn't fully effective, how to have the best possible mitigation. I think that's the point you're making. 
Um, yeah. And I, I think it's really a good one. And, and it's, you know, this is, you know, whether it's from nation states or from individuals or from terrorist groups, you know, we need to be prepared. And the consequences for businesses as we represent are so important. I mean, they really can completely, uh, well, an effective hack, shall we say, uh, in terms of causing real damage can really wipe out a, a company's profits and really damage the reputation and have severe consequences for, for users. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed, Jonathan, you went that long without saying the two magic words, Ashley Madison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and we've, you know, we've reported on the Ashley Madison hack and uh, follow-on uh, several times now, so we won't go into that at this point. But yes, I mean, I think the, the issues you talk about are of at least equal importance here uh, in the United States. So do you have any final thoughts, Jonathan? I don't know. Oh, all right. Well, then we're going to thank you. This is your, your weekly tech wall time. I'm not sure that's ever happened. I don't. I can't recall a single time where I teed up Jonathan and he said, nope, I'm done. Probably because you were just so cogent and to the point with your initial remarks. But anyway, this is Eric Sinrod uh, at Wayne Morris. This is your weekly tech wall 10. You know you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. My email address is ejsinrod at com. And then, Jonathan, you will now do the final bidding adieu. I'll try and do that just as concisely as well. Apologies uh, for my voice this time. It will be better next time we speak. And I'm jonathan.armstrong at cordrycompliance.com. Email is voice unaffected. As Eric said, you can connect with us via social media as well. Look forward to your comments. Look forward to speaking to you again in a week or so. Take care. Okay, cheers. Thank you.